right, give them another hand. Aren't they amazing? We have, we are so blessed here. I don't know if you realize how blessed we are, but we are really, really blessed with some amazing musicians and amazing singers. Um, I'm always just astounded at what amazing things they can do. It's, they're, they're fantastic. Um, I want to say, of course, today I have a cold, right? But not today, Satan. That's what I say. <laughs> um, you know, of course, the day that I have to have my voice recorded, it's going to be sounding crazy, but that's okay. Um, I wanted to just let you know who I am. My name is Lorena Conaway. Some people affectionately refer to me as PMW, Pastor Mike's wife. Those are the people who can't remember my name because it's odd. But my sister, Alanda, is here with me today, too. We all got odd names. Our parents just decided, let's just name them all strange names. And then my maiden name was Orinder. So imagine growing up Lorena Orinder. Okay, she was Alanda Orinder. Okay, when I became Conway, I was like, thank you, Jesus, something somebody can pronounce. So now it's just Conway. They forget the A in the middle. Um, I also am called Aunt Riri, Auntie Lolo, but you can call me Rena. Okay, that's really the easiest way to, to refer to me now, especially when I go to Starbucks or something. Getting them to spell Lorena is like you're asking them to solve something. I don't know. <laughs> so I definitely prefer, prefer that. Um, since this is my first time sharing with you, I just wanted to kind of tell you a little bit about myself. Um, you know, Mike and I, we couldn't be more different. We really, really couldn't. It's such a stark contrast. I was raised in the country. He was raised in the city. And I grew up, I basically cut my teeth on a church pew. I've known about Jesus since I've known about anything. And I can largely, you know, just thank my mother for that. My sweet mama, her faith is so strong. And she is the one person in my life who has been a constant source of faith for me and an, and an example of what real faith is. You know, we were poor growing up. We didn't have much, but my mother always had faith and my father too. And so, you know, I just wanted to kind of let you know a little bit of my background because, you know, Mike and I, we're, we're completely different and that is for sure. Now, I want to tell you, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't always just, you know, believe what my mother believed because she believed it. I want you to know I had a crisis of belief probably maybe in my late 20s. I just started questioning everything. You know, that happens. We're humans, right? We do that. And so I said, God, you know what? I just, I just want to feel you. I want to know you. And through that process, I just was able to come back around to the idea that God is love. And that he loves me and he cares for me and he's grace and peace and hope. And, you know, eternity, that's going to be great. But I need Jesus right now. I don't know about you, but I need him now. And so I'm thankful that we have Jesus now here with us, God with us, Emmanuel. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to know that and to, to just feel that. So <clears throat> I guess if I could sum it up, if I was raised on sweet tea and Jesus, then Mike was raised on Jim Beam and rock and roll, okay? That's pretty much how you could, that's a pretty good, just wrap it up with a bow, that's, that's pretty much what, I, what it is. So um, he's, yeah, so different, so different. And um, so anyway, so today's message, I really wanted to share with you about my life first and how I came to know my life first and how my life first really um, leads me and guides me in everything that I do. Now, Here's what's funny about my life first. <laughs> I didn't really decide on one <laughs> till a couple of years ago. And I know you're thinking, okay, here's this pastor's wife. 
she's in her 40s, and she does not know what her life verse is. What is up with her? You know, like, she is not close enough to Jesus, right? That's, you know, that's what people think. Always judging, looking, judging, you know. Um, so, um, you know, I, I thought I had a life verse many times. I, I would come across something and think, oh, that's it, and it just wouldn't stick. You know, it just wouldn't stick. So um, I would, this one's funny. Okay, so as you can tell, I'm a runner. (laughs) I have the physique of a runner, don't I? No, I hate running. Okay, I hate it. I think it's not God's will for us to run unless we're being chased. Okay? But here's the thing. Here's my proof. It's in the Bible. You want to hear it? Okay. Proverbs 28.1 says, Wicked people run away when no one chases them. So now don't go emailing Mike saying, no, I'm a runner. And your wife just went up there and slammed the runners because the poor man gets enough problems as it is. Just let me be. Okay. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. 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 I'm just teasing. But the truth is, is that I thought, okay, this could be my life first because that is something I live by. But it's too specific. It's too specific. So now when I'm driving to work every morning, you know, there's all these people jogging, right? You wicked people. Just, you know. What, my favorite kind of joggers are the ones that really aren't jogging, but they do their arms really big like they are. Like, you know, that, I thought, okay, that's my spirit animal. That's my person. That's, that's my person. Excuse me. I'm just going to have to drink a couple times today. Water, though. Water. Sorry, my throat's just giving me the business, but that's okay. All right. So, um, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever done this to try to find your life first, because you just get aggravated. I mean, I know I do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're more spiritual than me. But um, I would just flop out the Bible, and I'd say, okay, God, I'm supposed to have a life first. This is getting old, so here's what I'm going to do, Jesus. I'm going to just open up this Bible. I'm going to go past the Old Testament. And I'm just going to take my finger and I'm going to land on a verse, Lord, and that's going to be my verse. And I would read it and forever it would be something about some woman putting a tent stake through somebody's head or something. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's not the best way (laughs) to find your verse, right? So, um, but I did come about my life verse in the most peculiar way, I think, the most unusual way. Um, I was on the internet and you know how you start out watching one video of maybe like a dog blowing bubbles in the pool and then like 45 minutes later, you're 48 videos deep into like something you don't even know how you got there. Okay. So this was one of those days. I don't know how I ended up there. I honestly don't. Um, but I came across a video of this lady and her name is Tammy Faye Baker Now, I don't know if any of you, you who are my age and older, you might raise a hand if you know who I'm talking about. Okay, good. All right. I was like, well, these people know who I'm talking about? Okay, so in the 80s, if you don't know, in the 80s, her and her husband, big-time televangelist, were on TV every single day. I remember we watched them all the time in our house. And, um, of course, she was well-known for her a huge amount of makeup she wore, and she was just mocked, the poor woman, you know, because of this. And um, so then, of course, they had this horrible fall in their ministry. Her husband went to prison, and she was kind of left to figure it out on her own. So the video that I saw, she was literally skin and bones. 
she had gotten cancer. She had gotten cancer once and then gotten treatment, and then the cancer had come back. And this woman, she was in grave condition, and she was just like skin stretched over bones. I mean, it was, she looked just, it was, it was sad. It was really sad. And, and she was being interviewed, and they said, how is it that you can have such faith? Because she just was sitting there talking about Jesus and how much she loved Jesus. And, and the guy was like, listen, you know, after all you've been through in your life, and now God's, you know, you're going to get cancer? How can you have faith? You know, he was just really giving her the business. And she said, well, you know what? She said, I believe in Jesus. She said, I believe the Bible's true. And she quoted this verse. <clears throat> Let me find it here. She said, I, God's word says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Okay? Now, when she said that scripture, it just like an arrow went right in my heart. I was like, oh, my God. Here's this woman who was reduced to probably 60 pounds. I mean, she was... There was nothing left of her. And she, I read, I read on because I was curious. I think she died three days after that interview. But I thought to myself, here's this woman who literally has been through hell and back in her life, honestly, and who is now facing cancer and is in such horrible condition, but still she will not stop praising Jesus. And this is the scripture that she used to display her faith through all of her struggles. So I found that very, um, I found that that verse for me was an all-encompassing verse. It's like, okay, this verse really covers the whole thing, you know? It's like, no matter what's going on in your life, this is what, this is a directive to God. And it was so personal. It was, this is God, God's will in Christ Jesus for you. And it was so personal to me. And so, of course, I immediately uh, went and looked it up and, I looked it up under several versions because that's what I do when I find a verse. I have to look it up under every translation there is just so I can find the one I like the best. And it was King James. That was the most beautiful and the most specific to me. So that's the one she used, and that's the one that I like to use as well. Excuse me. All right. So let's get to today's text then. Um, our text today begins in 1 Thessalonians 5, but I'm going to start at verse 12. Um, Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica. Now, if you don't know who Paul is, Paul was originally Saul, who basically had a huge supernatural encounter with Jesus and became someone who, instead of persecuting and killing Christians, he became an apostle and became a person who traveled around telling people about Jesus. So he went through this amazing transformation in his life. And if you never read his story, you really should because it's pretty amazing. And, you know, he didn't just go out after all the things that happened to him and his experience with Jesus. Then he, he received some training, and he wanted to be ready when he went out. So, you know, I want to say what they said is between 7 and 11 years that he really studied and, and got himself ready. So what he would do is he would travel from place to place, and he would share the good news, and then he would start a church. And he would stay there long enough to raise up leaders in that church who could keep that church going, people who would be responsible to take on the call, 
And then he would move on to the next church. And this is just what his ministry was until eventually he was put into prison and eventually killed. But this was what his ministry was. So he was a pretty amazing person. So in this scripture, he had, he's writing to the church in Thessalonica. Now, he heard about some things that had been going on. And I thought to myself, well, how did he hear what was going on? Like, we don't have Facebook, Twitter. You know, there's not texting. Like, but somebody told him, hey, these people are being crazy. So you need to tell them what they need to do. So he wrote back to them. So this starts in verse 12. It says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, who are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them who are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, Paul has to give them some pretty straightforward directives, but I think the things that he told them aren't really far off from things we could benefit from hearing today in this day and age. Uh, first of all, he admonishes them to acknowledge those among him who are over him, over them. He basically says to love your pastors and your leaders, to support them, to show them respect for what they do, and for the sake of the work, respect their call. You know, taking up the burden, the call of ministry is not easy. And as a pastor's wife, I would say to you, support your pastor and love him. And don't let the little foxes, don't let Satan use you, because that's what he wants to do to cause dissension in the church of God. You need to, as a people, support your pastor, love him, because you will never understand the burden that he bears until you would have to do it. And trust me, it's a big burden. So, so he's, he's admonishing them to love and support their leaders because it's for the sake of people knowing Christ. Everybody gets caught up in how they feel about something or why isn't Pastor Mike doing this or why isn't he doing that, right? There's always questions. You have to trust and say, you know what? I know he's following the call of God and I'm going to support him and love him. And if I have a question in my mind, you know who I'm going to talk to it about? Jesus. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. And I just feel like sometimes we, you know, we get, too, we get too worried about the little things and we forget the big picture. The big picture is the call. Why are we here? We're here to let people know that Jesus loves them. Trust me, I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. That's all I'm doing. That's all we're doing here. We're saying, listen, I know love and peace and hope, and you can have it too. And so that's what, that's what the whole purpose of Paul going from church to church, going from town to town and making these churches was. That was his point. He wanted people to hear the good news. So he then goes on to tell them to warn the unruly, those people who are just out of bounds. Got to get them straightened out. What are they doing? Uh, to comfort the feeble-minded, those who are weak-minded and need help and need direction. That was part of uh, what he wanted to talk to them about, to support the weak and be patient with all men. And he gives them further instruction by telling them to not render evil for evil, but follow which is good. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a hard one, right? Because we're just all humans, right? We're just, after all, we're, we're flesh and bone. And our sin nature, our humanness, if somebody does something to us, that's the first thing we think is, man, I'm going to get them back. 
That's what we want, you know? And that's a hard thing to fight. It really is. Trust me, I'm no different than you. I fight it every day. And I just say, you know what, God? I believe you're just and you're sovereign and you're going to take care of it. And that's how we as Christians and as believers need to be. We need to say, you know what, God? I trust you. I believe you. You're going to take care of it. And God, remove these feelings from me. Take it from my heart, God. Take it from my heart. And every time it comes, just say, God, take it from my heart. Because guess what? Those feelings are going to come. You're just a human after all, right? Okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. So I think that is something that we can all relate to, uh, what Paul was admonishing them to do. Um, And now in our our first fill-in is rejoice, rejoice evermore. In verse 16, it says, rejoice evermore. And that's our first fill-in this morning. So go ahead and write that in. So I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, rejoice evermore, like all the time, no matter what. Like, really? (laughs) And the answer is yes. Evermore just simply means always. Rejoice always, no matter what circumstances you're facing. Um, And do you know why that's important? It's important because Satan wants to steal your joy. And if he can get you to stop rejoicing, then he can take away your joy and do his work. But we have to make the decision to rejoice no matter what and not to give the devil a foothold in our lives. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not going to acknowledge reality and just walk through life like, nothing's wrong. I'm going to rejoice. Everything's great. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to say, yes, this is hard. Yes, this is horrible. Yes, I'm struggling. But you know what? Praise God anyway. Praise God anyway. Praise him through it, and he will definitely see you. He will see you through it, and that's the truth. That is the real truth. Now, we have a couple of other verses that support this idea. Um, They're on your uh, handout today. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And Romans 8.28, I love this one so much. It says, And we know that all things work together for good for them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. So it's God's will that we live our lives this way. It's his plan for us. Think of a time when you were going through something you didn't understand and you questioned God and you wondered why this was happening. Um, If you allow doubt to creep in, then you give the enemy a chance to start working and start like reducing your faith in Jesus. Well, maybe God's not looking out for me. Maybe God's, you know, maybe maybe it's not, maybe he doesn't care about me, right? So there was a time when, Um, before I became a teacher, I was in property management, and it was the time when the condo boom was happening. I had gotten my license or uh, certificate to be a property manager for apartments, but when the condos came through, they were all like, oh, you got to go get that condo license. If you don't get that condo license, they're going to come through and make everything, you know, all the apartments are going to be condos, and then you're not going to have a job. So, of course, like fear, oh, I got to go do this, right? So, I went to the classes, hated every minute of it, failed miserably, failed miserably, horribly, embarrassingly. So I'm like, what is up? I just, I don't know, you know? And um, I just was so distraught, and I thought, God, why? I need this, God. I need this. Why, why can't you give me the supernatural ability to be able to learn this? I mean, you had to learn a lot of law, and it was great. And if anybody who's a real estate agent out there, God bless you, because it's, it's close to that, and it's tough, so believe me. Um, but what I didn't know was that just a few short years later, that wasn't God's plan for my life. 
He was going to call me into teaching, my true calling, the thing that I was supposed to be doing the whole time, but I was too afraid to do. So God knew there was a different plan for me. And then a few years later, when I decided to go to college, I didn't go to college till I was 34 years old. And I was terrified. And I thought, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I'm going to fail. And everybody's going to know I'm dumb. That's what I would say to Mike. Everybody's going to know. Like, well, he's like, what are they going to rent a billboard, Lorena? How are they going to know you're dumb? And I'm like, I'm like, listen, everybody's going to know. So I didn't know it at that time, but that job, that was just a step along my path. It wasn't what God had for me. So I'm thankful that, that during those times we can say, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to rejoice because you know that uh, you have a plan for my life and all things are going to work together for good for those who love God. Amen. Our next fill in is pray. Pray without ceasing. Now, this one seems pretty simple, right? But maybe a little impossible. (laughs) How am I supposed to pray all the time, every day, all day long? How is that supposed to happen? Well, I think what Paul's trying to say here is that he wants us to have a heart that never loses its connection with God. He wants you to have a mind that is just set on a constant conversation with Jesus. Because as we go throughout our day, let's face it, our worlds, they're really, they live up here, right? And if you get your mind off of the things of God, you can really go to some dark places. And so I think it's important that the dialogue between us and, and God never, never end. We never lose that connection. Let your daily thoughts be filled with prayers, praises, and petitions to God. Never let that dialogue end. Live a life that helps you stay connected to your creator. And I think about the time when Hurricane Irma came through, right? Remember that? It's like hashtag Irma Gerd. That was my favorite thing out of that whole thing was like everybody was Irma Gerd. You know, it was great. So um, <clears throat> I remember... That was a time of true constant prayer for me, I'm going to tell you. And I'm sure a lot of you are that way too. And I'm sure a lot of people who have never prayed before in their life decided, let me say a prayer to Jesus right now so I don't get blown away, you know? So we went over to John and Rebecca's house. Actually, they live in Clearwater. And magically, I don't know how, their house lives in this no flood zone. I'm like, hey, we're going there, no flood zone, all right. Not that it would have mattered if it re- we really would have gotten it. But that night, I remember laying in the bed and in their front yard, there's this big, beautiful oak tree. It is gorgeous. It's huge, and the branches are huge, and they reach out all over the top of the house, okay? <laughs> so I remember laying in the bed, and I'd hear all these noises, and there were so many weird noises during that storm. I, I was like, what is that? Oh, my God, what is that? You know, the, the wind was crazy. And I remember just laying there, and my constant prayer was, Lord, just don't let those things, don't let those limbs break and fall on this house and kill us all, Jesus. You know, I'm so I'm a dramatic prayer. I got to just lay it out for Jesus. Tell him what I'm really thinking, okay? Because I was so worried. I'm like, what if, because there's nothing you can do to prevent it. If that thing comes down, you're done, you know? It's not like you can go, oh, I'm going to step out of the way. No, guess what? It's, it's going to get you. So I just remember praying, praying, praying that night, that prayer over and over. And thank God nothing, none of those, not one branch fell. Even in those 90 mile an hour winds, they, nothing fell. And um, <clears throat> I was very thankful. And I, I say that to say that, you know, God has brought you through things that you didn't think you could get through. And I think that if we just remember to keep our connection open with God, 
I mean, I know that this is kind of how I live my life. I, all day I feel like I'm talking to God all day. Because I've got to talk to him about a lot of stuff. I teach seven and, I teach seven and eight-year-olds, honey. I've got to pray a lot. And children drive me crazy. And I tell them sometimes, y'all just, I need a minute. And I'll just sit there and pray. I am not kidding. And they just sit there quiet like, what's she going to do? I just need a minute with Jesus, y'all. Leave me alone. Just don't bother me. They bother you. They, they're on you like a rash, man. They're, they're just right there all the time. <sighs> I love them. I love them. But boy, it's a challenge. I'll tell you what. Um, <clears throat> so it is our job to keep those lines of communication open, to pray without ceasing. And even though, you know, my job helps me do that, um, <laughs> it's something that I feel like all day, I just feel like I'm just talking to God. Like, he's my best friend. He's the person that I can tell anything to, you know. And that's the way it should be. You should feel that comfortable with Jesus. That's why he came to earth. That's why he took the form of man. That's why he died on the cross. So you could know him and have a personal relationship with him. Amen. Um, there are two verses that relate to this. Um, they're on your handout as well. Colossians 4, 2, it says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And Romans 12, 12, it says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And I think those are beautiful, beautiful reminders of what the way we need to live our life. Amen. Our final fill-in for today is in everything give thanks. Okay, thanks. All right. And I think this is the hardest one, right? <laughs> You mean I'm supposed to be thankful no matter what's happening to me all the time, every day, every circumstance? The answer is yes. We don't have to understand and believe it's what's, but we don't have to understand, but we have to believe that God has a plan for our lives. And then he knows what the outcome will be. He knows this, not us. So he desires that we accept our current situation and give thanks no matter what we're facing. And this is hard. It's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I remember when my father passed away, and um, Mike and I had just gotten home from visiting him. They had called us earlier that day, and we had been there, and then we had come home, and then we went back because they said, oh, his heart rate's down to nine beats a minute, and this is it. So we live an hour and 15 minutes away, so by the time we got there, my daddy is sitting up in bed talking, like, better than he had been in weeks. And I'm like, what? And I looked at the nurse, and she went, mm -hmm. you know, like... Okay, so we stayed for a while, and, and then, we, um, then we went home, and as soon as we got through the door, I got a call from my sister, and, you know, she was like, hey, listen, you know, daddy's gone, and I said, no, 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 you know, his heart rate's just low, you know, I was like, you know, because I had already kind of had that rush of like, oh my goodness, earlier that day, and I didn't really want to have that again, and so I was trying to, oh, no, 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 and she just said, Lorena, just call the lady at hospice, just call her. I said, okay, and that's what I did. And so it was the most interesting in conversation I had with this woman. I just said, hi, you know, my dad's Henry. And, you know, I just, I thought, my sister told me, and she went, yeah. And I went, so he's, and she went, mm-hmm. She didn't even want to say it either. You know, she didn't want to say it either. And I just went, okay, well, I'm coming. Well, what are you, you going to do with him? You know, like, I don't know who they're going to chuck him out the door. I don't know what they do with people. <laughs> I've never been through this before. And so... She says, oh, no, we're not going to do anything with him. 
he'll be here when you come. He'll be here when you get here. And I said, okay, okay. Because I didn't know. I mean, you know, I was like, what in the world do they do with these people? So <laughs> I didn't. And so um, we, we got in the car and we started driving over and I was just a mess. You know, I told my husband, I said, listen, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to act. I don't know. And see, in ministry, you know what to do. When someone loses a loved one, you know what to say. You know how to comfort them. You know sometimes it's just being there. You know what to do. It's like you have a plan of action. But when it's you, well, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I, do, I was at a loss. I really, really was at a loss. And I remember there was a lot of heat lightning that night. And I just imagined my dad just riding that lightning to heaven, you know. And it was a beautiful thought. So I'm just, we're driving, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so distraught. So we go into the room, and um, I just drop my purse, and I see my daddy, and he's just beautifully, they, sit, they lay them out so beautifully. It, they, they just really, he looked like he was at such peace. And, you know, during the time leading up to his, his passing, we only had about six weeks. You know, we found out he was in heart failure, and then shortly after found out he was in end-stage kidney cancer. We didn't know. And then literally within weeks, you know, he was gone. And so my whole prayer during that time, because I knew he wasn't going to be alive very long, was that God just let him pass peacefully. The one thing that I want for my father is to go from this world to the next in peace. I didn't want him to be shocked with these paddles, and I, I didn't want, I just wanted him to just go peacefully. And so when I saw him laying there, and he looked so peaceful, I just went over to him, and the only words that would come out of my mouth were, thank you, Jesus. All I could say over and over and over was, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Because I knew in my heart that God had given me what I'd asked for. And I know my family was probably around me going, why is she saying, thank you, Jesus? We're not thankful he's dead, Lorena, where you know. And that's not what I meant. I meant, thank you, Jesus, for taking my father in this beautiful, peaceful way. So after a little bit of time together with the family, um, I wanted to go find his nurse because the nurse he had was wonderful. And I just wanted to talk to her and tell her thank you. And because I knew I probably wouldn't see her again. And um, so I went over to her and, you know, I was talking to her and I said, you know, I just want to know, do you, could you tell me anything about his passing? And she said, oh, yeah, I was in there when he passed. And I said, oh, you could tell me about that. And uh, she said, yeah, she goes, I went in to check on him. And he asked for a drink. And um, he couldn't really eat anything during that time. So he could only hold down this orange soda. I don't know why, but that's what he wanted. And that's what we gave him. Because when it's your last days, honey, you get what you want, you know. And so she said he asked for his drink. And he took a drink. And then he asked me to give him the sunglasses that were on the table. And let me tell you about these sunglasses, okay? The night before, the, the day before was his birthday, and he really wanted to be home for his birthday. He really did. But he got so sick that day, he just kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And finally, we had to say, Daddy, they have to take you to hospice. They can take care of you. They can help you stop being sick. So finally, he begrudgingly went. And within 45 minutes, they had him. He was just 
no more pain, no more throwing up. He was at peace. It was just wonderful. He was relaxed and calm. And I was so thankful. I was like, thank you. Okay, this is good. This is good. But I thought we were going to lose him that night. So Mike and I spent the night at hospice that night. And I remember I was on the couch in the room with him, and then they have like a little living room, and Mike was out just past the door right there. So I remember it was like a baby, you know. You're listening. I was kept, just kept listening for his breathing, and I would just kind of sleep with one eye open, you know. And he'd pop up every once in a while and say, where's Mike? <laughs> you know? I'm like, Daddy, he's right out there. Okay, all right. And then he, every time he popped up, he asked where Mike was. It was so funny. But... um. So the next morning when, um, when we woke up, you know, the, the sun was coming up and the light was just flooding into the room. And my dad was squinting and he was just saying that this was so uncomfortable, you know, the light was so bright on his eyes. And so we shut all the blinds and we tried to, you know, close off everything the best we could. But he was still really kind of having a hard time. And so Mike says, hey, Dad, I got these, you know, sunglasses out in the car. I'll go get them for you. I'll go get them for you. So it was the funniest thing. My dad looks like the Terminator you know, laying there <laughs> with his glasses on, you know, but it, but it helped him. He was so happy. He wore them all morning. And um, so uh, when we were leaving that evening, um, he was trying to give the glasses back to Mike. And Mike says, no, Dad, you know, you're going to need those maybe tomorrow morning. You might need them again, so just keep them. I was like, oh, okay. So when the nurse was in there and he asked for the glasses, now you have to understand this was dusk. There was no light coming in those windows. And he asked for those glasses, and I'm convinced that my father saw a light that nobody else saw that day. And he, she said he put on the glasses, and he took two more breaths, and that was it. He was gone. And I really thanked God even more knowing that this was the way my father passed, seeing the light of glory the last thing he ever saw. I was so thankful. And during this time in my life, that was the worst situation I had ever faced in my life, losing the man who brought me into this world, the man who had raised me, knowing that God honored my prayer and that I could thank him even in this time of great loss. So I encourage you today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the diagnosis is, because those are tough. I encourage you to always give thanks. I want to read a couple more scriptures. <clears throat> in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, giving thanks Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And in Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad we have Jesus, aren't you? So the directive is today, always these three. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come to you today. And Father, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy and for your kindness and your love. And God, we thank you that no matter what we face in life, we know 
that it's because of you that we can make it. God, through the darkest hours, the times when we just, we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know what to do, we can always count on you to offer us comfort and grace and peace. And Father, today, I don't know, maybe there's somebody here and they've never known that grace and that peace, God. But I pray that you would begin to work in their heart right now, Lord. Because there's nothing that's as wonderful as a relationship with you. So I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody here today who needs to connect with Jesus, you've never made him your savior, and you say, you know what? I want that. I need that. I would ask you to raise a quiet hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can put your hands down. God sees that. Dear Lord, I just thank you for those of my brothers and sisters here today who say, God, I need you. I need you as my Savior and my Lord, and I need you to guide me through this life because, God, we can't make it without you. And so right now, I confess that you are Jesus in my life, and I will live according to your word. And God, for the rest of us, Lord, who, you know, maybe we've known you for a long time and we've walked with you for a long time, maybe we just need that reminder that we need to continually pray and rejoice and give thanks in all circumstances because, God, that's your heart. You want, you love your people, and you want us to know that you were right there beside us no matter what's going on. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time we've had together today, God. And I ask that you would just bless those who have acknowledged their need for you today, God. And we thank you. Amen. Thank you.